Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to the Get Your Goat podcast. Another episode here talking about the NFL draft. Who has won the NFL draft? Players I like, teams that have made questionable decisions, picks I like, then going into my top five NBA teams, getting closer to the playoffs, talking about some NHL as well since they are inching closer to the playoffs, and some crazy things happening in the MLB this past weekend. So let's get into it, starting with the draft. I'm going to go through three teams that I thought really drafted well and have won the 2021 NFL draft. And this is in no particular order. These are just three teams I thought that had a great draft. Now, there was more, but these were the top three. One of them was the Los Angeles Chargers. Why did I think they did good? Well, we know they have their star quarterback in Justin Herbert. They have a star wide receiver in Keenan Allen. They acquired all pro center Corey Lindsley from the Green Bay Packers during free agency. It already had a great uh they already have a good right tackle as well. But now they need more on that offensive line to really help out Justin Herbert as he took a lot of hits last year. So what did they do? They drafted Rashawn Slater, my first round left tackle, who I think will be great for this team. They added Mike Matt Feeler as well. So they redid this offensive line to protect Justin Herbert because they know he's a star. He's the man of the future. He's the Chargers guy. So they wanted to build around him. They weren't done there. We know they have Keenan Allen, Pro Bowl wide receiver. They have a decent number two in Mike Williams. Hunter Henry's gone, but they acquired Jared Cook, who's a little bit older. So what did they do in the third round? They drafted wide receiver Josh Palmer out of Tennessee, who will slot in right there at the number three right now. So you have three good wide receivers for Justin Herbert to throw to. You've got Jared Cook at tight end. And then you drafted another tight end, Trey McKitty in the third round as well out of Georgia, who will help this team as well if you want to run a two tight end set. So this team is loaded off an offense. I won't forget Austin Eckler, who's no scrub himself. So this offense is looking very promising. And to me, in the division that they're in, your offense has to be really good to win games as they are in the same division with the Kansas City Chiefs. So they're going to have to be putting up points. And with this offense, they can do it. Is they can protect the quarterback, they can run the ball, opens up play action, have wide receivers on the outside. This team is looking good. And then they didn't stop there. They have a good front four on defense with Joe, with uh, Joey Bosa and Ingram. But what do they need to do? They need to help in the back end. 
So they drafted quarterback Asante Samuel from Florida State, who to me can be an instant starter. Many people were talking about him, maybe late flyer first round, but they got him middle of the second round, which is a steal as he is a great, great cornerback. Uh, man coverage is great. So I believe he can play day one slotted in. But this instantly upgrades the Chargers. The Chargers are now elevated from a sub-500 team to being on the verge of playoff contention. They are now, to me, officially playoff contenders after this draft. Who else had a great draft? The Miami Dolphins had a really, really good draft. And to me, they had a great free agency as well, uh, bringing in uh, Will Fuller, if a wide receiver, to help Tua. The last year, you drafted many offensive linemen to protect Tua, so you've had protection too. But you needed another deep wide receiver. Yes, you have Devontae Parker. And you have Will Fuller. You have Matt Gusecki as tight end. But those wide receivers are possession wide receivers. They're not the fastest. You need a speedster who can run up and down the field. Just run the four vertical route. Get open. Get behind the defensive backs. Can play in space. Make plays. That's what they got with their first round pick in Jalen Waddle, the wide receiver out of Alabama, who is one of the flashiest playmakers coming out of a draft, was a star in Alabama. And to me, he will be a star in this league, reuniting with former teammate Tua Tagovailoa. Instant starter. I believe there will be an instant rapport with him and Tua. Right away, and to me, this unlocks their offense so much more. And they didn't stop there. They added Liam Eichenberg, offensive tackle from Notre Dame in the mid-second round as well, which I thought was a steal, is he can be an instant starter as well. I think he can be a right tackle right away as their right tackle wasn't that great last year. So to me, you've completed this offensive line. You have Miles Gaskin at running back again, who's not soft at all. He plays tough. You got wide receivers Jalen Waddle, Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, Titan Makaseki, a good offensive line. So you're giving Tua all this help. Now you can evaluate and see if Tua is a man or not for that offense. You can see, and guess what? You have a couple first round draft picks as well next year. So if you don't like what you see from Tua this year, you can easily move up. And get a quarterback next year if you feel like there's a prospect that will be better fit for this team than Tuba. So you're really eliminating all the pieces to isolate one variable, which is Tuba. Last year he did fine in the two uh, quarterback uh, starts with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick splitting those starts. But now with Tuba as a man, we will find out if he really is the man. But not only did they help him out on defense or on offense, they helped him out on defense. Another first-round pick, Jalen Phillips, needed help as the edge rusher, is to me to be a true Super Bowl contender. 
you need to have an elite rusher, interior rusher, pass rusher, any of the kind that can get to the quarterback, disrupt the passer. We saw the Bucks have that in Shaq Barrett this past year, and really JPP as well. Year before, Chris Jones as well, but Chris Jones was in the Super Bowl as well this year. Chris Jones, 49ers last year, and their front four of Joey Bosa and Armstead and company that can get to the quarterback, and we see that all too often now that if you can get to the quarterback, disrupt the rhythm, that will help out the team a lot. And edge rushers get paid. They do. Because if you're effective and you get to the board quarterback, you draw sacks. That's what people like to see. They like to see the sack numbers. Jalen Phillips is that guy. Also drafted Javon Holland. Safety as well. Who I think can be a starter as well. So they're going to have... This is a young team, I believe. Game away last year from being in the playoffs. If they were a one-win-one more game they would have been in. They didn't. I believe this year they can take the next step. They can be in the playoffs. And very soon, I believe they could even challenge the Chiefs in the game they played last year. The Dolphins were pressuring Patrick Mahomes. The team looked good. Then they fell off a wayside. But I believe this Dolphins team does have a little something in there. That'll make it difficult for opposing teams in the AFC. Then my one more team that really won this draft is a team that shares the AFC East division with the Miami Dolphins, and that is the New York Jets. I thought the Jets had a tremendous, tremendous draft, starting with Zach Wilson, quarterback from BYU, to be their franchise guy. Now, I heard there was this one uh, reporter, you know, who said that Zach Wilson is not going to be the savior of the New York Jets. He can't save the New York Jets because there were guys before him that haven't saved the New York Jets. Mark Sanchez, who's a great college prospect out of USC, couldn't save the Jets. Geno Smith out of West Virginia, another one with crazy offensive numbers. Couldn't save the Jets. And then Sam Darnold, a really, really special prospect out of USC with great years. Could not save the Jets. And I agree. I don't believe Zach Wilson can save the Jets. But the point is, he doesn't need to save the Jets. He was a great quarterback in BYU. Why do I say he doesn't need to save the Jets? Because it's not about... One player. It's not about the quarterback. It's about the organization, the coaching, the culture is a whole that really makes things run smoothly and factors down to the players that are on the field. We see the Bucks this past year win the Super Bowl with their fun style play that they did. Bruce Arians is a great motivator and good coach that he is. Finally win a Super Bowl. Same thing the year before with Andy Reid. Great, great coach, motivator as well with great strategy and this long lineage 
of a coaching tree that has just produced great coaches, great players. He won a Super Bowl with a great general manager, Veach, as well. The Patriots dynasty with Bill Belichick and the culture that he got there, the Patriot way, which looks like it was really the Tom Brady way is a Patriot way. But nonetheless, he was a coach there, and he had to shuffle many pieces and acquire many pieces on defense and control the defense that Tom Brady does not control. Even in the early days of Seattle and Pete Carroll, that team was having fun, identity of a deep defense, and good, good defense highlighted by their depth uh, with a strong pound running game of Marshawn Lynch. What am I getting at here, Josh? Well, before this, you had a general manager who didn't know what he was doing and a coach in Adam Gase that had no clue what he was doing with Sam Darnold. And they didn't really try to build around him. To me, they were not smart at all. Probably the worst uh, coach and general manager duo of all time. Uh, at least in my era of watching football, they were that bad. You know, bringing talent like Le'Veon Bell in to try to help him. Drafting, you know, good tackles such as Mikai Becton. Not fixing this defense or helping it out as well. Not giving Sam Darnold a wide receiver, as we've seen teams need. So what did this Jets team do? New coach Robert Sala, new regime. They said, we know that Zach Wilson isn't going to be the savior, but we'll help him because we're going to build around him. So what else did they do besides draft Zach Wilson? They drafted offensive guard Elijah Vera Tucker from USC, who is the best guard in the draft, special player to protect the interior line right there. You had Mekhi Becton, who to me could be a superstar left tackle as well. So you're building this offensive line with Zach Wilson. You're protecting Zach Wilson. So every quarterback needs protection. Uh, see what happened to Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, and you will see if they need protection after the Kansas City Chiefs have now revamped their offensive line. So yes, you need that. So, boom, you're taking care of the offensive line. What else did they do? Well, in free agency, we went out and acquired Corey Davis, who was a great number two wide receiver at the Tennessee Titans. He fit right along with A.J. Brown. We have Jamison Crowder, who could have superstar potential. So we have two number two wide receivers. Are they good enough? We can see. So... What did they do? They drafted Elijah Moore from Ole Miss. Wow. That, to me, was a steal because they drafted him in the second round. And I had him going in my first round uh, to the Titans. If not, I thought, you know, the Packers would surely get him more. But Ravens, some team would get Elijah Moore, because he is that good. But he didn't go. So they have a potential number one wide receiver in Elijah Moore to help out Zach Wilson. So you've got your quarterback, you've got your offensive line, and you've got wide receivers. Well, to finish it off, to give him one more, we'll get you Michael Carter, running back 
out in North Carolina, a pick who I love. Uh, I actually watched the game he played against Miami where he torched Miami and I believe ran for almost 300 rushing yards, maybe 300 if I'm not mistaken. Uh, this guy is runs really, really tough. So the Jets, yes, have helped out Zach Wilson in one draft more than they helped out Sam Darnold in the years that he spent there. But that's due to the management, the coaching, because guess what? Zach Wilson doesn't draft. He's a rookie. Of course, he didn't draft another, and he was drafted in this draft class. So there you have it, the Jets drafting quarterback, offensive line, wide receiver, and running back to overhaul this offense. And guess what? Your coach, Robert Sala, is a defensive guru. Took a shattered 49ers defense last year, year before they were the number one defense. Losses of Joey Bosa, trade of DeForest Buckner, injuries to Sherman and Barrett on the outside of the corners. And they were still, I believe, in the top five. They were the fourth best defense. So he doesn't need a lot to make a defense good. Yes, this defense needs a lot of help. But the rest of their picks, uh, after their pick of Michael Carter, their running back, their four, first four picks were all offense. Then after that, their remaining six picks were all defense, safeties, cornerbacks, and a defensive tackle. To help help overhaul this defense, Robert Sala can coach this up. I am high on the Jets right now. Yes, they were terrible last year, 2-14. and 14. I don't, I'm not saying this team will be in the playoffs or anything like that, but they will be much improved, and then we can really analyze, see how what this coaching is doing, what this team is doing, what other needs are needed, who's performing, who's not. But right now, the Jets have a really young, solid roster, and I liked what they did in the draft. Now, what teams made questionable decisions? Well, to me, they're all from the first round, all ones that are you could have drafted in the second round, all reaches. Those were the Las Vegas Raiders with Alex Leatherwood. Did not expect that name to be called, that offensive tackle. That was very surprising to me. Very surprised. Uh, couldn't believe that one because there was much higher talent on the board at that time for pick 16 or 15, wherever they were at. Another surprising pick was the Arizona Cardinals with Zayvon Collins, their first-round pick linebacker. That was surprising as the previous year they drafted Isaiah Simmons, versatile linebacker. So they basically drafted another one of him. Are they high on Isaiah Simmons? Maybe they're not. They had needs at cornerback. Uh, I would have thought, you know, defensive tackle, maybe a middle linebacker. Uh, but an outside kind of versatile guy that kind of lines up wherever, I thought was very surprising. Since you have Chandler Jones coming back, the addition of J.J. Watt. Yes, they are older. Maybe they are looking to him. It's kind of a future, him and Isaiah Simmons both. But we will see. But for now, I thought for a team that kind of is having Super Bowl aspirations, uh, this year, next year, was very surprising for that. And then Green Bay Packers selecting Eric Stokes, their cornerback in the first round, was a far, far reach. 
Uh, to me, late second rounder of fat, you had Asante Samuel. Still on the board as well. If you really want him to go after a cornerback, that was surprising to me. This is kind of another Kevin King type of project. I don't believe he is needed at all right there. Especially with what has gone down with Aaron Rodgers uh, before that draft. What was happening, I was very, very surprised. But these three players for their t- or these four players for the teams that were picked by them are the ones I love the most. First out of the four is Jalen Waddle for the Dolphins. Yes, I mentioned him already. For Miami, how good of a pick this is. But him with Tua, I think will be special. This will open up offense so much. Uh, Jalen Waddle, to me, is that guy. Not only in the receiving game, but also in the return game as well. He is just an electric, fine, wide receiver. I'm excited to see the Dolphins in this pick. Another one I like is Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa. Linebacker that the Browns selected in the second round. They had a great first round selection in Greg Newsom as cornerback to start opposite Denzel Ward. Who could probably take Denzel Ward's place one day with Denzel Ward uh, with some injuries, nagging injuries here and there. But I love this Browns pick because of what they've done on defense so far this offseason. You had Miles Garrett. But you need more on the edge. So you got Jadavion Clowney. Defense, you had Denzel Ward. But you needed a safety, so you signed John Johnson from the Rams. And then, you pick up Greg Newsom in the first round to complete this secondary. So the secondary is overhauled and it looks good. You signed Troy Hill from the Rams too as a slot corner. So you have a 1-2-3 cornerback punch, which is great. And then you go out and draft Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa. In the second round is a steal. Is a steal. Why? Because he has big play potential. To me, he's the anchor of this defense. He's going to be kind of what Devin White this year is. Uh, for the Bucks, that high fly player. Making plays on the defense. Intercepting the balls. Run stuffing. And has the potential to be as good as the likes of Bobby Wagner, Levante David. I am really high on Jeremiah. His tape really stands out as well. Great pick for the Browns and a great draft overall as well. Another pick I love is Najee Harris, running back from Alabama, selected by the Pittsburgh Steelers. I like this because they needed a running back. James Conner was not the man. He was also nagged by injuries as well. You haven't had a running back since Le'Veon Bell for a couple years. But now you get a true three-down running back in Najee Harris, who was really special. And to me, this is a great pick because Ben Roethlisberger is getting older. That's just the fact. Uh, he's 39. This will probably be his last year if he redid his contract. You've got Juju Smith-Schuster. you got Chase Claypool. you got Eric Ebron. 
but you really didn't have a running game. Their running game was terrible, especially during the midst of their uh, losing streak to close the season after starting off 11-0, finishing 1-4 in that stretch. What was picked on the most was that running game. So you picked the best running back in the draft. It picked number 24. So you address the immediate need right away. And to me, this is great. Yes, they need offensive line help as well. We drafted some. But if they can block Najee Harris, Najee Harris can do the rest. He can truck. He can break tackles. He can be the man. He can open up play action passing for Ben Roethlisberger in this offense. Najee Harris is the man. Can he be a Derrick Henry 2.0? Well, we'll find out. But if anybody has a chance, it's a Nick Saban coach running back that was up for the Heisman Award in Najee Harris, who I like a lot. Then my final player who I'll highlight, that pick I like, is Trey Lance, quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, selected him third overall. I like this pick even though they have Jimmy Garoppolo to me. Jimmy Garoppolo is, I believe, approaching 30, turning 30, so half of his career is already over. He has already hit his ceiling. And his ceiling is a game manager taking a team to a Super Bowl, but not making enough plays in that Super Bowl to actually seal the deal. Which is why they got Trey Lance. Because with the young team they have now, they can have Trey Lance on the sideline for a year, learn from Jimmy G before they decide what to do with Jimmy G in his contract situation, but they have Trey Lance there waiting, training him, getting him to fight, which will be great for this team. Because I think he could meet, make an impact day one, but it wouldn't be smart. But with coaching from Kyle Shanahan, Trey Lance will be a star in the NFL. He is mobile which is what is loved now by all quarterbacks in the NFL, to be mobile, to scramble, make plays with your feet, and then also just extend plays with your feet as well, and then look downfield and throw a 50-yard bomb. That's what is evolving now in the NFL. That's what teams want. Teams want the Lamar Jacksons. Uh, I should rephrase that. The Lamar Jacksons that can actually throw the football. And the Patrick Mahomes of the world, more like the Josh Allens, the Baker Mayfields. That's what teams want. Trey Lance, to me, fits kind of all those molds. He's not there yet as to any one guy. But with the proper coaching, proper system, to me, he's there. You have Raheem Mostert. You drafted Trey Sermon, which I couldn't believe as well. Another speedy Crazy dude from Ohio State, another great running back. Him and Raheem Moster will be really good together. You got Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. You have a great offensive line. You re-signed your left tackle. So really there, Trey Lance has a lot of potential. He has help as well. So I think this will be really, really good uh, for this team. And I'm excited to watch them. 
So that's on the NFL draft. Probably do a lot more takes, a lot more dives with that this coming week. But now getting in to some NBA. And I'll just right now give you my top five teams in the NBA. Number five is the Brooklyn Nets. Why are they number five? Well, they're on a two-game losing slide. But we still can't deny that KD, Kevin Durant, is playing phenomenal out of this world since coming back from his injury without James Harden as well. This team is stringing together wins. Looking good in the process. Kyrie Irving looks like his head is in the game, at least for now, which is needed with KD. But to me, their two-game losing streak hurts because a number one seed is needed to avoid a matchup against the Bucks. Yes, they just lost to them yesterday. Playoffs are a different story. But number one seed is huge to play a team such as the Knicks, Hawks, or Nets instead of a heavyweight matchup with the Bucks in the second round. That's the only knock on the Nets is losing a critical game like that yesterday. But other than that, KD is playing great and he's getting that team to where they need to be. Number four, the Denver Nuggets. Why? Well, if you don't remember, Jamal Murray is out for the rest of the season with a torn ACL. What have they done since then? Well, they are on a five-game winning streak and have won nine out of ten without them. That right there is all you need on to why this team is playing really well. Nikola Jocic is now the favorite for the MVP. To me, it's all said and done. It's a formality at this point. Barring something crazy the last week or so, Michael Porter Jr. has stepped up in the absence of Jamal Murray, which a lot of people thought would happen. But would he actually do it? Yes, he did. So that's great. And to highlight that, they beat the Clippers last night as well and overtook them as the third best team in the West. They are now set up a number three seed. That helps. Who's number three, though? The Philadelphia 76ers. Why? They're on a four-game winning streak. And they're back to number one in the East, which they need badly. They're better on home court for sure. But as I've said, they want to avoid a matchup with the Bucks. You don't want that heavyweight matchup right away. Number two, the Utah Jazz. And I believe they're sitting perfectly at number two and number two in the West. As they're playing really well without Mike Conley and uh, Donovan Mitchell right now. They're just keeping at bay until the playoffs, which I think is smart. Because those are two players you need if you have any aspirations of making it. To the NBA Finals. But to me, number one seed is not a priority to them. If the Clippers 
are sitting at number four. With that loss, it would be the Jazz versus Nuggets right now. To me, that is what the Jazz want. They don't want to play the Clippers in the semifinals. They want a matchup, you know, with the Trailblazers, with the Grizzlies. Then play the Nuggets if the Nuggets uh, beat the Lakers. If not, then they might play the Lakers. But really, you don't want to play the Clippers there either. But the Jazz are smart to just avoid a formality at that point. And then my number one team. New number one. Because guess what? The Utah Jazz have been number one for so long. The Phoenix Suns are the new number one. The new best team in the NBA. They are the best team in the NBA. On a four game winning streak. Against teams such as the Los Angeles Clippers. And then in the heavyweight bout for the number one seed against the Utah Jazz, they crushed the Jazz. So yes, I have to give them props. They're the best team in the league, eyeing the number one overall seed first time since 2005. And they can do it with the path that they have left, which would be a tremendous testament to not only this Suns organization, but Chris Paul as well. As I said, Nikola Jocic, to me, is the favorite runaway MVP. But Chris Paul III is right there behind him. What he has done with the Suns, a team that was right there at the play-in tournament, missed it by a game in the bubble. The addition of Chris Paul, nice draft as well. It vaulted them up to the best team In the league. So I have to give all of them props. The Phoenix Suns are playing really well. Uh, This is great for the city of Phoenix. At least one sport is doing well there. So that's my NBA top five. The Brooklyn Nets. The Denver Nuggets. The Philadelphia 76ers. The Utah Jazz. And the Phoenix Suns. But there are some other NBA news with it approaching in terms of the standings and where things sit right now. Right now, the four versus five matchup in the East is the New York Knicks and the Atlanta Hawks. And the Miami Heat are sitting there right at number six at 35 and 30. Tied with the Atlanta Hawks, but the Hawks have the tiebreaker. I believe the Heat will overtake the Hawks and it would be a Knicks versus Heat uh, sort of run, if you might say. Uh, even with the Celtics sitting there at number seven, who knows? But I don't believe that final standings will be what it is when the NBA season ends in the East. I believe Miami Heat will pass the Hawks. Maybe the Celtics do the same as well, and which would be an intriguing Celtics versus Bucks matchup. Next heat, and then the Nets would play the winner of the Bucks and the Celtics. So, as again, the number one seed to me is more valuable in the Eastern Conference than it is in the West, as the West is much tougher. So, in the East, to me, if you're the one seed, you can cruise to the conference finals, whereas in the West, you cannot. And as I said, maybe the Utah Jazz are not a priority with a number one seed. Maybe the Lakers don't want the five seed 
and they want to avoid the Clippers until the conference finals. If so, Lakers are sitting now at six, midst of losing six out of their past seven and seven out of their last ten, not playing well at all. Even with LeBron James back, that has not sparked much. But they're sitting there at number six right now. They play the Denver Nuggets, who to me is the most favorable matchup there is. I don't see them sliding into the play-in. Yes, they're tied with the Trailblazers. But I believe this team, 90% LeBron healthy, 90% AD healthy, can still be very effective. So to me, the Lakers right now would be playing the Nuggets, which is something they want. Clippers at four, playing the Mavericks. So then they would have to play most likely the Phoenix Suns, and then the Jazz would play the Lakers. Or the Lakers will play the Suns and Jazz play the Clippers. So they would avoid them at all. And to me, I think most people are thinking that the two best teams are still the L.A. teams. Even if people are nervous about the Lakers. Maybe even nervous about the Clippers uh, losing games uh, to teams such as the Nuggets and the Suns that they are most likely going to play in the playoffs. But they'd have a first round matchup with Mavericks, which I think Clippers would win that rematch as well. So there really is a lot of storylines here. I do not believe the Lakers will be dropping to the play-in, even though it's close. People are getting nervous. I'm a little nervous. I don't believe they'll make it to the play-in. I believe they'll just survive and avoid a matchup with the uh, Clippers, whether it's them moving up to the five seed or staying at the six. Whatever's needed, you know, I think they are there if the five and Clippers are there if the five and the Lakers lose one last game to get to six, they would lose that last game on purpose. Because they don't want that, I believe, immediately in the playoffs. But I'll pick two games tonight. First one being the Warriors and Pelicans, which is the Marvel Hero Night, Avengers Hero Night. And I believe the Warriors are going to win. Because I believe Steph Curry is going to be playing like an Avenger tonight. Yes, you have Zion Williamson playing like the Hulk. But to me, this is good for Stephen Curry, but he's playing like Black Widow. He's playing like an assassin right now. That's what he is doing. Oh, only have seven points in the... First half, 2 for 10 shooting. Well, guess what? I'll dagger your team with 23 points on 70% shooting in the second half to finish you off. That's what Stephen Curry is doing. I believe in this uh, sort of playoff sort of vibe. With a great atmosphere tonight, the Warriors will be taking it in New Orleans. Then you have the Nuggets and the Lakers. And I believe the Nuggets are going to win. Uh, from what I've seen to the Lakers, this is I'm nervous. It's getting scary. They can't afford to lose much more. But tonight against the Nuggets, I do not see them winning tonight, even though it's needed for the Lakers and for LeBron. Now moving on to the NHL. And again, the playoffs are closing in. And to me... I'm not going to highlight anything with the East Division and North Division. Is the East is very competitive. Uh, 
all the way from one to four, depending on what the seeding is. Uh, but North, to me, even though the Maple Leafs are run away with it, uh, I haven't seen much from the Leafs previous years, and all these teams could be dangerous, scary, throw up something unexpected as well. So I'm going to highlight the Central and West as they are basically uh, the same two versions of itself with just different teams. The Central, you have the Hurricanes sitting atop with 75 points, two Tampa Bay, three Florida, both at 73. And then far, far down, 15 points behind, is the Nashville Predators. Now, this is tough because you have a very tough two versus three matchup. If you're the Lightning or the Panthers, you want the number one seed. You do not want to be playing each other. The number one seed will have the immediate benefit as they play the lowly fourth team, no matter who it is, most likely the Predators. But if you're the Hurricanes, you better believe you can beat the Predators if not sweep. Same with the Lightning and Panthers. So to me, the number one seed is crucial. But also the Lightning want it, Panthers want it, because those two teams do not want to play each other in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, Two of the best teams in the league, two of the maybe top five, top six teams playing each other, that is not something that they want uh, right away. And to me, this just benefits the Hurricanes because they actually have a game in hand against the Lightning and two games in hand against the Panthers. So to me, they are most likely to finish first and play the lowly four seed, which would benefit them as they would play an easier team. And I could see the Lightning Panthers going six or seven games, a longer series, which will then benefit the Hurricanes even more. And then mirroring that division is the West with the Vegas Golden Knights leading it at 74 points. Behind them is the Colorado Avalanche at 70, Minnesota Wild at 68, and far below them, again, 15 points separating the three and the four is the St. Louis Blues. Now, you better believe you want the number one seed, no matter who it is, uh, the Knights, Avalanche, or Wild. To me, the Wild are a little far behind, maybe even the Avalanche as well, but they still have a fighting chance to get there if the Knights drop some more games. Avalanche having a game in hand. But right now, the first seed would play either the Blues or the Coyotes. Two-week opponents, especially the Coyotes, don't even have a winning record. Minus 24 goal differential, uh, which is terrible. So to me, the number one team most likely to be the Vegas would benefit tremendously as well. Is they would be playing the four seed, no matter who it is, doesn't matter. And then two and three. Avalanche and Wild would face a long series. Who knows who wins this series? To me, that could go either way. You had so many people talking about the Avalanche, but the Wild have played so well this year. Could the Wild upset them? They sure can. This game, this series could go seven games. Wild could pull off an unexpected win. You know, Avalanche could win and then set up a heavyweight showdown with the Knights, but you want the first seed just as bad. So to me, those are two storylines in those divisions to keep on looking out for. But I will make a couple of picks tonight in two games. The first being the Capitals and the Rangers. This is a tough one. Both on you know losing streaks. I believe both are on a two-game losing streak. Capitals dropping sets to the Penguins. Rangers dropping sets to the Islanders. Who will break their streak? I believe it will be 
The Rangers is technically, they can still make it to the playoffs, but if they lose tonight, they are officially eliminated. So to me, they're going to be playing with all their grit and fire. It's at home in front of, you know, the, you know, 5,000 Ranger fans who, however many are there, uh, Rangers are going to bring it tonight. I believe we'll get that win. Artemi Panarin doesn't want to go out because they lost a game. They'd rather go out because they win a game, but another team wins a game as well. If that makes sense. And then the Penguins and the Flyers. The Penguins in first place in the East. Oh, I'm so happy. Ooh, I'm so proud that the Pittsburgh Penguins are first. This whole team is playing well. Sidney Crosby, Brian Rust, Ryan, uh, Brian Rust and Jake Gensel. Best first line in hockey. Jeff Carter is playing tough. Uh, Teddy Bluger, the whole defensive corpse. Tristan Jari getting it in. I believe they'll beat the Flyers tonight who are just spiraling so far down. But the Penguins have had a tough time with the Flyers. They are playing them back-to-back tonight and tomorrow night. I do believe they'll win one, lose one. So if they lose tonight, I believe they'll win tomorrow. But I think tonight they'll win as they are feeling it. They want to get the proper seeding in this division. And that's needed with points. And then to finish off with some MLB crazy ending yesterday to the Mets and the Phillies, New York Mets and Philadelphia Phillies. Reese Hoskins, first baseman for the Phillies, bottom of the ninth, hits a three-run home run to tie the game. Ties it up. Bases on first, base runners on first and third. He hits it. Looks like it's gone. But they overturn it. They say it's not a home run because it hit the top of the fence and bounced back. Now, I don't know what the official rule is, but they said since it hit the top of the fence, it is not a home run. So, I don't even believe it hit the top of the fence and then advanced. That would have been a double as well. But it literally needed an inch more to be in home run because of that, the Phillies lost uh, 8-7. to seven. Strike out to Bryce Harper to finish it off. A tough ending to the Phillies. I believe if it just hits anywhere up top, right there, that's gone as well. Uh, so that is frustrating in some things MLB has to tie up. Padres beat the Giants this weekend in a huge... Uh, two, they won two games out of three, which was huge as the Giants had first in the division and still are because the Brewers... Beat the Dodgers three out of four times. That looked really good. The Brewers looked good. Other than yesterday's Dodgers 16-4 to shellacking of them. Corey Kluber of the Yankees returning to Cy Young form with the nasty change-up curveball uh, duo. He looked really good as well on the mound uh, for the Yankees. Uh, the Yankees back to 500. Their journey back. They can still do it in the conference and the AL doesn't look as strong as the NL. But tonight you have the Mets versus Cardinals, which will be an exciting matchup as well. Wayne Wright pitching for the Cardinals, who hasn't won a game this year. Uh, hasn't got much help, but he hasn't helped them much either against the Mets. And their pitcher still TBD. But my get-your-go pick is this. My get-your-go take is Najee Harris is the best pick and value to me at the draft. 
for what the Steelers got at pick 24. That is the best pick in relative to draft stock and number. Najee Harris will be a star for years to come for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just fits this team really well. Fits the mold in the division where you have the Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Uh, you have Lamar Jackson running the football as well. So to me, this just fits well. And, and I believe he will dominate this division and the running back position for the next five or six years. So great pick for the Steelers. Really well done. That's it, folks. More draft news. More rankings. More playoff happenings. Playoff clinchings coming soon. It will all be discussed on future podcasts. Till then, I hope everybody enjoys the rest of their week. Bye, everybody.